This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. My name is Rob Snow White. I'm a fly fishing guide. When I'm not on the water, I want to hear what other people do when they're on the water. This is episode 206 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, Mountains to Marsh with Chris Cease of Not the Real World. We discuss fresh to saltwater fishing, post-fishing sandwiches, fly tying, and Chris's choice for his superpower to make him a better angler. If you have not tried the three-year whiskey yet from Dry Fly Distilling. I'm going to say you're going to want to get that. I like mine neat, but I've been known to make a whiskey sour with some of the dads down at the pool after hours. I hope you all enjoy this. This is Chris Cease of Not The Real World. All right, Chris, we have you on the podcast today from Not The Real World, which is a angling pun, I believe. It is a bit of an angling pun, all yes, right. that's <laughs> and you're checking in from Central Virginia. I am in Richmond, Virginia. That's correct. At the moment, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. How much rain have you gotten this year? Uh, I don't know. I think it's twice the annual rainfall in the past, like, two months. April, s- May, and into June, something like that. You got seven inches in a day, like, two weeks ago? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, it's just I, I don't pay attention to it except when my basement flooded. Oh, my goodness. So uh, the fly tying man cave had to uh, get a new carpeting, unfortunately, Christ. which is probably good, but it was a pain in the butt. But whatever, it's it's got the rivers, um, it's got the rivers all messed up, all blown out. The James is all messed up. Um, the upper James, I think, is fishable, but I don't really go up there very often. 
Um, but even my smaller water that I take a lot of clients on, like the North Anna, the South Anna, they're blown out. I canceled a trip this afternoon. Um, and it hasn't rained since, I guess, the weekend, since Saturday. And the water is still up. You know, on the James, it's at 10 or 12,000 CFS. And the average right now is supposed to be three and a half or 4,000. Do you have a preferred website you use to monitor water levels? Um, I actually will just type in James River Water Flows, and the website is the, like, U.S. – let me do it right now and see what it pulls up with it, what the actual name of it is. It's waterdata.usgs.gov. Okay. And you can use that for, as far as I know, pretty much any water levels of anywhere, but I really only am checking – um, the New River, the James, and then the North and South Anna. When I'm when I'm figuring out what's going on with my guiding. Right on. All right, so let's find out about you before we find out what you do. For those okay. listening who have not met you, do you have a celebrity doppelganger we can picture while we listen? Um, if you have ever seen the show Six Feet Under, there is an actor named Peter Krauss in that. And I am told that I look like him. I am told that I look and sound like Johnny Knoxville. But those two guys don't look alike, and I don't get the Johnny Knoxville reference. I got a cousin who looks like Knoxville. I don't think I look like him at all. I've yeah. just been told that I sound like him. Peter Krause, I look a lot like. Right. So if six feet under, he's not a he's not a you know he's a C list celebrity. He's but, the, uh, he was Dexter's brother. I think so. Okay. My so, wife watched – I couldn't watch Six Feet Under. It was too depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've never watched it either. I just got told that. Right. <laughs> so, you, are you a native to RVA as the, the kids call it these days? I am not a native to RVA. I'm a native of Gainesville, Virginia up near where you live. Yeah. Uh, grew up uh, on a little tiny piece of property next to a bunch of giant farms, which is where I learned to fly fish um, down on those on farm ponds for bass. Um, and then I moved to Richmond, uh, after I moved back from Colorado, Oh, it might be seven years ago now, six, seven years ago, something like that. Um, Colorado, were you, I was spending my winters in Vail post-college, uh, and then my summers in Aspen. Um, and, uh, I graduated Virginia tech in 2007 didn't want to jump into the real world, and my cousin had lived and done a ski a ski lifestyle season thing out in uh, Keystone, and she said, you have to do this before you grow up. Yep. And I went out there for, for one season, had a blast, had a lot of fun, didn't really fly fish at all, even though the, the Blue River – is the Blue? It was the Eagle River runs right through the middle of Vail and snowboarded a ton and uh, came back, moved to Charleston, fly fished a bunch down there, went back to – Went back to Colorado again to Vail for the next ski season and then stayed for a couple more summers out there where I got a job. My first official guiding job was in Aspen, Colorado for Aspen Outfitting Company. Fantastic. Yeah. Why'd you move back here? Peter Pan uh, syndrome caught up with you? <laughs> uh, there was a, a female in the picture at mm-hmm. one point or another. Um, and then uh, I kept telling myself that I had to try out the quote unquote real world or what I was supposed to be doing that I was supposed to have learned in college to go work for some company and make a living and make a 401k and all that. And, uh, so I did miss Virginia a lot as much as I loved being out there. Um, so I moved back and got a job in Richmond and ended up with a sales job in Richmond, Virginia 
for a company called Snag a Job. And I was there for exactly one year to the day uh, that they hired me. They laid me off. I was one of the last 20 people out of 200 that they laid off. And everybody left the office crying. I left the office fist pumping. And I had a two coolers of ice cold Corona from my best friend's wedding two days before in the bed of my pickup truck. And I passed them out to a bunch of people. And I said, guys, I'm going to Key West tomorrow. And they all said, yeah, right. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and I threw my kayak on the truck and drove to Key West and hung out down there for three weeks. And then said, okay, now i got to figure out a job that allows me to work my lifestyle in. I still want a guide and I want to get back into that. But that I can make more money at. And uh, I figured that out for a while. Um, and so that's what I've been doing is guiding part time and, uh, was doing some sales for a boat company, which recently ended back in March. And now I'm, uh, on to the next phase. I'm just guiding at the moment. So that's what I've been doing the past six, seven years, something like that. Right for, you, you've been busy. I've been busy. Um, and I don't want a real job. It's so hard to, it's so hard to put me in like an office or something like that. I just can't do it. Yeah, I can't it's, handle it's... I atrophy when I'm indoors like that. It's just, it's bad for the soul, bad for the body. It really is. And I spend a lot of time inside on my computer working, but it's from my couch. So like this afternoon, I'll probably have the world cup on, on mute and I can just kind of look at it while I'm doing work on the computer and figure out what's going on next um, and plan on the next, uh, plan the next trip. Right on. Did you develop your love for the salt when you were in Charleston or did that virgin when you were down in the keys? No, no, that was way before then. I just went to the Keys just because I had wanted to go back down there because I've been down there like five or six times. The Keys um, disease. It, it, yeah, it just was like, all right, I'm going to go to Florida Keys like right now. I had, I'd never really been there in the summer, and that was June. So I wanted to go see if I could find tarpon uh, or the bigger runs of tarpon. I'd always been down there for like spring break in March. Um, I developed a love for saltwater fishing when I was growing up as a kid by – Family takes annual vacations to the Outer Banks, North Carolina, and that's where I really got into it. Um, I probably started fly fishing in the salt in my teens, but I started fly fishing, and my mother knows the exact age, was age nine is when she got my first lesson, which was up there in Middleburg, Virginia. And so I got the got the love of the salt from going down to the Outer Banks and catching bluefish out of the surf and Spanish mackerel and flounder and whatnot. And uh, that has especially grown into a full-blown love of catching redfish on the fly, which is my absolute. Yeah, and you find them not too far from your home. You can catch them in Virginia. Last year I caught a bunch of them. Uh, Literally an hour and a half from my house, there is a grass flat that I will not disclose, but it's easy to find. And it was stacked with reds last year. Um, You can catch redfish from all the way from Virginia to Mexico, actually, and into Mexico. They've got them that far down there. Um, They're just all along the coast. They're they're. I wouldn't want to say they're easy to fool, but they will readily eat a fly, but they are like other fish. They will get picky and they just are bulldogs. They pull like crazy. And for some reason, when they, the way I like to fish for them is in very clear water where you're sight casting to them and to watch them turn and suck a shrimp fly in and you set that hook and then he just jets off. It's amazing. I assume it's a lot like bone fishing. I've never been bone fishing. I've seen bone fish in the Keys, but I didn't get a cast off to them. Um, but I imagine it's pretty much the same type of thing. They're just here stateside and not, you know, in the Bahamas or whatever. Right. So that was a very long answer to your question on how did I get into saltwater fly fishing. 
Yeah. And then how did you start your guiding business here? So you, you, um, you came back from the Keys and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to work for boat companies and stuff or other. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to start guiding out of my house. I got back from the Keys. I found that boat sales job, which I got, which was working from home in, in this local area. And it was a 1099 subcontractor job. So I'm essentially my own boss through this other company that provides the information and everything. And I just said, well, I don't know if this is going to be full time or not, but this allows me to do what I love, which is the guiding, which the, the guiding out in Colorado was the best job I've ever had. Um, the guiding here, not that it's bad or anything. It was just really fun out West taking people on, taking celebrities out and all these crazy people, um, on this amazing, beautiful river. Um, and it was just fantastic. And I wanted to continue doing that, but based here in Virginia, uh, cause they looked around and I'm like, there's no fly fishing guides or anything around in central Virginia. And I know how to do this and I can obviously do it cause I've got the two years of experience, uh, out West. And I just built a website, had a buddy design a logo and put it up and people just started randomly calling and I've kind of morphed it into a lot of teaching lessons. I'd say half, not more than half of my stuff is now teaching people to fly fish, which is just as fun as fly fishing to really like get them addicted. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just put the website up and then just went from there and it's grown every single year. Um, this has been my busiest year so far. If I had, I've been able to fish all these this spring on the uh, on the rivers, but they're all blown out as we we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned clear water earlier. Seeing a redfish in that, I I forgot what clear water's like. <laughs> it's it's not around uh, uh, very much anymore. At least in the at least in the local waters here. Certainly it's not. it's June twenty eighth now. The last time we had clear water was early mid April. Probably. Yeah, that's probably the same here. And I don't, I don't fish the, I don't fish the James that early. I go in down and I'll fish the new that early. Uh, working with a guide, Mike Smith down there, I do some guiding for him in April and May. Um, but I, I don't even pay attention to the James because we're wade fishing and it's just too dangerous and that cold. But um, that that sounds about right. Last time I had clear water. That's last time I had clear water on the new. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about what rivers do you guide and what do you guide for in those rivers. Um, sure. Well, if you went through the cycle of my quote unquote season, it would start in April and May guiding on the new river for, uh, Mike Smith. Um, and, uh, he's, he's based out of, um, what's that little town down there called? I guess one of the ones I was looking at is, is around Ivanhoe. Um, it's the upper new above Claytor Lake basically. Um, and we fish for trophy smallmouth on the fly out of a drift boat or a raft, excuse me. Um, on top water, they are eating um, alawipes and shad that are swimming out of the lake to come up to spawn. And so these smallmouth are getting ready to spawn, but they are really hungry. And you can find them starting to stage up, get get ready in these areas of slack water when the current's still, you know, pretty darn heavy. Um, and they'll spawn in those same areas. But you get 18, 20 inch smallmouth on top water poppers that are like two, three inches long. Um, and you're sight casting to them and it's a freaking blast. It's awesome, man. So that's really what we focus there. Uh, we will sometimes take a musky rod, uh, throw for a little bit of musky down there. That's usually, again, people I go, look, 
you got to know what you're doing with this 10 weight and a 350 grain and 350 grain lines light for musky in a lot of applications. Um, there are also some striper that come out of the, uh, that come out of that lake that we can catch. That's kind of just swinging streamers and hoping one hits and they are awfully hard to catch because they're, you know, 20 pounders, 25 pounders sometimes. And when you get it on an eight weight, it's like you better, you know, really know what you're doing. And, as a guide, you really got to figure out exactly what's going on immediately for the chance to land those. Um, and then as the spring kind of fades into summer, uh, post Memorial day, um, I will do guiding here in Richmond, um, on the James when it's good, which is a huge if, um, and then some of the other local rivers like the North Anna and the South Anna, um, and then I also offer trips on the Chickahominy Reservoir out of kayaks, which is for pickerel, bowfin, and largemouth bass. And then we can do kayaking trips. I take uh, folks out towards uh, the mouth of the Rappahannock where you can go chase stripers, croaker, trout, redfish. Um, I did get my captain's license recently, and as soon as I get a much better upgraded boat, I'll be doing boating trips. Um, but the kayaking is a little bit different. It's a little more fun. Um, just from the aspect of being closer to the water, you see a lot more when you're that close to the water versus flying around on a boat. Um, so I kind of offer a whole lot of variety of things, uh, which is great all within an hour of Richmond. Um, and the other one that I sometimes still do, which is getting tougher and tougher to fish, unfortunately, uh, snakeheads up by your way. Yeah, you um, still that friend with the backyard access? I do. I do have his backyard access. Um, and it's tough to drag his, those kayaks down the hill, but, uh, those snakeheads are awesome, man. It's just, there's so many people that are bow hunting them. I'm finding them. They're, they're getting smart. They're getting harder and harder to catch. Um, doesn't mean we can't catch them, but, uh, I used to go back there and catch, you know, 10 or 12 of them. And now it's going and catching like uh, two, three, four, what, you know, whatever it may be, just because they, they're literally gun shy from people shooting bows and arrows at them all day long. <laughs> yeah. We, we've got snaggers up here. So every time they come up to breathe, someone's throwing a treble hook at their face. Oh, really? People are snagging them now. Yeah. They okay. have saltwater spinning rods with about 15 to 20 feet of some kind of rope or twine. Uh-huh. And then what are called alligator hooks on Amazon. I, I said, where'd you get those? They go, uh, Amazon. They're called alligator hooks for snagging alligators on like swamp people. Okay. And they are one ounce weighted treble hooks. And when the snakeheads come up to breathe, they lower the hook on the up opposite side of them and then yank them, gut, and, stick them in their gut, and then they just drag them on shore. Rip them out, rip them out. Wow. Yep. So that's that's why they're they're getting more and more spooky. And it's you know they're an invasive species and all that, and they were put in there. But I don't think they're having that that poor effect that everybody says they are. I don't care about the guys eating them. It doesn't bother me one bit. Like like it does more so if I see a smallmouth on a stringer or something. But they are fun to catch, man. I freaking love going after those things. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> so yeah, they're just getting harder and harder to catch. But I offer those trips too. It's about an hour and ten minute drive from Richmond to go up to a uh, fish up there around Aquia. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's it. And then I do some stuff down in the fall along Cape lookout for saltwater. Um, I've got a couple close clients to me that I take every year down there. We go chase false albacore, Spanish mackerel, bluefish, redfish. Sometimes we see tarpon, um, sea trout, you name it. I think I caught 13 species in one day down there along Cape. So, um, I do that every September and October, um, 
You're single, right? No kids? I am single and no kids, yes. <laughs> you got a, a, a water dog? What? What's that? You got a dog that fishes with you? I don't have a dog. Yes, you have the, that's, you've got all this freedom to go out and do things. <laughs> well, that's kind of the lifestyle that I've built for myself. Uh, uh, I've, I've had, had the most recent girlfriend uh, moved to Colorado of all places. Um, and uh, she's still out there. We're still good friends. So I go out there on occasion and stay with her and do some trout fishing and whatnot. Um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, – I am I am as single as they come, <laughs> so um, I don't have a whole lot of uh, things to tie me down besides a mortgage and credit card bills. Good for you. So my yeah. wife's in Singapore all week, so I'm stuck with a seven year old who's going from swim practice to camp to the pool to dinner, and then repeat the next day. <laughs> And she's gotten me up every day this week at six. Yesterday she woke me up at six to ask where a stuffed animal was. Wow. And I'm wow. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Let me sleep. And then well, I'm going to my in-laws next week and I'm not going to sleep there at all. It's going to be a house full of people. Well, that's going to be fun though to have a kid. I mean, my, my sister, I've got a one-year-old nephew and he's fun to hang out with, oh. but it's nice I can give him back. So we, she had to get a tooth pulled yesterday because her baby tooth was growing Sorry, her, her grown-up tooth was coming in, and the baby tooth hadn't fallen out yet. So they popped it out. It's the first tooth she ever lost. So last night, I wrote a note from the tooth fairy, and I wrote it going kind of backwards so it wasn't my handwriting. And then I crinkled it up and put it in a little pink envelope and licked it with some cash in there, put it under her bed. And it was pretty fun, the reaction this morning. She came <laughs> in, and she took the note to camp to show everybody. Oh, that's cool. That was a pretty fun moment being a, a parent. That's I mean, fun. And you're getting and, and she didn't know her she, her tooth was going to be pulled. We went to the dentist. So I was getting all these pictures of her smiling beforehand because now she looks completely different. She looks like I... a fence that a car went through. The white picket <laughs> fence. She looks like Alex Ovechkin now. <laughs> yeah. They are comrades. <laughs> She looks like Sasha. It's crazy that you're giving dollars for teeth. I always got like a quarter. Although maybe child, I don't. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe my parents are cheap. (laughs) She and the dog are missing the same tooth, though. They're like twins. That's awesome. All right. So, so you are also a talented fly tire. So, I want to hear about some of the the flies and your tying techniques and what you use, what you've developed, what you've improved over the years. What are you throwing at? All these different species. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the compliment. I appreciate it. I look at some of my stuff and I go, that's the ugliest fly I've ever seen. Um, but uh, the, I guess that what I've, what I've developed would be um, a fly called a bangerang, which is a rattling fly. You probably saw it at some of the shows there. Um, and it, it acts really weird in the water and does all these twists and turns and ducks and dives and Whatnot, and that fly just seems to catch big fish. I hooked my very first snook on it. It was 25 inches long. I hooked tarpon on it, redfish, 40 inch pike, uh, big largemouths, monster smallmouth, um, variety of things. So that's one. I throw that on occasion, just depending on what I want to do. It's it's heavy, so you got to throw it on an eight weight. Um, but um, what else have I developed? Uh, the latest one this summer that I've come up with and working on the past year is called a Miracle Whip. And it's an articulated streamer that's 
I keep down in size. It's only about three inches long, three and a half inches long. And I have thrown that nearly exclusively this entire year, save for the top water um, for those smallmouth. If we weren't throwing top water, we were throwing the Miracle Whip. And when I just went on my recent redfish trip, I've been throwing that for everything. And bass are just absolutely smacking the heck out of it. Um, so that's a good fly. I'm going to actually have that up on my website for sale soon. Um, totally different design. It's tied with a bunch of the Flymen stuff. Um, it's not really what you would uh, see normally in terms of a of a um, typical streamer because there's only one hook in it, and it's a trailer hook. So uh, it's just a little bit different. It's very weedless. Um and it's kind of a cross between a game changer and a T-bone, but downsized with a trailer hook. So um, that one's pretty cool. Um, what else do I like to tie? Uh, I love tying musky stuff. That's a lot of fun. Um, they take forever, but it's fun. And a lot of people really like those, like to buy those flies at shows. Um, my musky flies, I've personally only ever caught one musky. I've hooked two. I've had follows from I don't know how many. I've seen I don't know how many dozens of them. Um, but my musky flies have been purchased a fair amount and caught a bunch of fish, which is really gratifying and cool. Um, what else have I tied or that I like to tie? Uh, any saltwater streamers I love. I don't do much trout tying anymore. If I do, if I'm going out west, um, I'll tie uh, a bunch of different types of really simple nymphs, which is when I still guide out there part-time. I'll go out there every couple summers and go guide for like a week for my former boss out there. Um, I'll just tie some really simple five or six different nymphs that work so well for me out there. And I'll buy my other stuff because I can't tie a dry fly that looks like it should be sold in the shop. The only dry flies I like to tie are probably elk hair caddis because <laughs> they're easier. Um, and I, I, I really, I have a really fun little beetle pattern that I tie that I love for brookies. Um, but in terms of trout flies, that's about it. Um, but Bass, streamers, uh, whether it be for saltwater or freshwater, and, of course, my beloved redfish flies. I love tying flies for redfish, um, and that's that's a lot of fun is to figure out different ways to catch redfish. You're throwing mostly crabs and shrimps? Um, I've been throwing this past trip when I caught 15 in one day uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was the best I ever had out of a kayak. Um they were eating mostly all shrimp stuff. Uh, my coyote shrimp, they were absolutely crushing. Uh, I tie a fly that's tied out of coyote or out of fox. Um, so just depending on what color you want it to be, whether it's more gray and brown or more like red and brown, um, it, wor- it works great. Uh, I also have a water bottle shrimp that worked really well. Um, my usual patterns that, that I tie for them, which would be like a redfish wiggler, um, they didn't want the bright colors this time. And I'm finding that more and more as I fish on the outer banks. I think these fish are really getting hammered a lot down there um, by a lot of local guides and other people fishing for them. It's probably me talking about it too much. But um, if they're throwing the, the wiggler looks like a gold spoon or a copper spoon, which, of course, is like the best redfish lure there is. And I think they see so many of them, they're starting to get uh, – gun shy of them if you will um so it was weird because the first fish i saw threw that gold wiggler at him and he just swam away from it so okay it's gonna be that type of day and switch over to a shrimp fly and bam they started hitting it um so that's what i stuck with um and uh yeah i just tie some different shrimp stuff for him uh crab flies are fun too 
Um, if you go fish in Louisiana, um, there's much bigger version of a, a redfish crab fly, if you will. It's just kind of a big blob of anything in pink or purple or orange, whatever they can see in that off-color water. Um, is fun. They're just like four or five inches long. <laughs> so, um, the other things I've been tying lately that I've got, uh, have been doing very well is I've kind of modified a version of a clouser and a half and half to what I call a Buffalo soldier. The reason I call it that is so the first one I tied was with actual Buffalo hair, but, um, it's basically taking a half and half and you do a craft fur tail instead of, uh, the um, hackle out the back and then you do a body of chenille and I like to use Palmer chenille and then on the top or the bottom on the top and the bottom of tying it like a clouser from there on in I'm using uh, uh, Steve Farrar's flash blend and so it's completely synthetic you can do it in a million different colors and that thing has been smoking fish out on the bay the color that I tie the most is probably called chicken on a chain which is a chartreuse tail with a pearl body with a white underside and an olive overtop um, with a little bit of black and red and copper flash. And that works really well. Um, but you can tie it in any color you want for pretty much anything. Um, and then uh, I've got what I call a new age whistler, which is an old standard whistler stop fly. Then instead of hackles wrapped all around the body of it, I'm actually taking a bunch of different Palmer chenille uh, and um, I guess that other stuff's called like Aqua Veil chenille or something like that. I, don't, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, and you spin it around uh, so it all kind of blends together. You pick it out, you use a brush to pick it out, and you can do a million different colors that way by combining two or three or four colors. You wrap that up, and then I put a Flyman uh, fish skull on it. And what that does is that acts as the weight that those bead chain eyes would. And that thing is a great profile in the water. And I've got guys that are throwing those for trout, actually. Um, but, you mentioned uh, spinning. Did you pick up that OPST dubbing spinner I mentioned at the Virginia show? I have not yet. Oh, man, that thing is <laughs> unbelievable. Pat, you remember you bringing that over being like, what are you doing? Yeah. I've tried some other ones. I inherited a couple of different brands. And I don't know how people use anything else. It, that thing is remarkable. Yeah. It's yeah, just it's... heavy and it just keeps going. It's the Energizer Bunny. It just <laughs> keeps spinning. And, sp and all you do is just twist your fingers. You don't have to keep – you just twist it once and it just spins. And it goes. It goes, yeah. I remember you using, lending it to me. I was, I was like, this thing's pretty sweet. No, I, just, I haven't got, gotten around to getting another one of those. I might have to put it on the list of the next – $500 worth of order of fly tying material that I need to buy, which I seem to do that probably once a month. It's Are you ordering crazy. online? You got a shop near you that you like to uh, visit? I buy a lot from Green Top because they're right up the road. Um, with, from me, they're about 20 minutes away from me. They're in Ashland, Virginia. The East, Gabe's got a good selection there of stuff. He doesn't, they don't always have everything. So I'll buy some stuff online. I buy a lot from Brad, um, Brad Buzzy, Buzzfly. Yep. Um, I also do from uh, uh, saltwaterflies.com. That's uh, I think his name is Chris Windrum. Um, there's a fair amount of people that uh, stuff online. I just put in a big order through Orlando Outfitters because they had all these colors of whatever the shield was I wanted, and it was the cheapest one there, and they said free shipping. I said, okay, great. So um, I do do a lot with the Flyman stuff um, and uh, work with those guys a lot. Um, I know Martin and, and Mike Smith, they're, they're – 
head head marketing guy. Um, so I get a lot of stuff from them um, and and use a lot of their products in my flies, or at least in some of the designs I've got. Right on. What's the advice you're using these days? I am. I've got a custom Regal uh, Revolution with big game jaws. Uh, it's custom because I guess I told the guy, the owner, that I needed it in some bright blue. Okay. <laughs> and he said, we don't make the big game jaws in that color. It's going to cost you another however much it was. I said, I don't care. I just want it in that blue because it looks really pretty. And then come to find out right now they've got out a chartreuse one, which is just unbelievable looking. I would love that. that. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't need another uh, vice that's, you know – several hundred dollars um i've got a couple other regals uh the older school one that i had um down in my basement when i do tying lessons that people use i love the design of their their vices and it's so easy just pinch and let go of the clamp um i've been tying on a regal for probably 16 17 18 years something like that so much so that when i got this other vice at the atlanta show um this past year, I actually had an old one that I tied so many flies on, I cracked it. And I walked over to the owner of Regal. His name skips my mind here at the moment. And I said, hey, man, yeah, it's probably it. I said, I've, I've been tying on your vice for forever. There's my booth over there. This is how much I tie on it. Cracked, and he just handed me a brand new one. Right I on. Said, this is awesome. Now I, need to, now I need to order the special one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Do you, are you a clamp or pedestal? You know, on the older school ones, I have the pedestal – or excuse me, on the, I have the clamp. On the new one, I have the pedestal, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. It works great. It's fantastic. And I can pick it up if I'm feeling super lazy and I want to watch TV while I'm time flies. I can just pick it up and move it to my, my uh, coffee table. My, one of my clients came to our beer tie this past month. He had a suction cup base. Really? I've never seen that before. And he just moved the lever and it just just stuck to that table. And you could have lifted the table up by his vice. Wow, that's interesting. And I need a I'll ask with the next beer tie. He's in town for a couple of weeks working. And that's cool. cool. I've never seen anything like that. I, I saw somebody is doing some artistic ones that are like pieces of flagstone as the base. Mm-hmm. Like the granite yeah, leftovers like from the that. granite store. That, that that sounds cool. That's a good idea. I don't know that I need it or want it. I, I would love to have one, but I just like that simple regal base because it's got grooves in it for me to dump 20 dumbbell eyes or whatever I'm working with at that time. Uh, but they're very pretty looking. They're I now great. have my pedestal for my regal clamped to my table so nothing moves on it. <laughs> so it really doesn't move. I don't have a problem yeah. with moving. And I, I yank on my flies. I, I pull down hard on them. And it, it's it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Love stuff. And there's that's not to say there's not either a lot of good vices out there. Um, but it's just what I started using way back when I got as like a Christmas present when I was like 13 or 14 or something. And why fix it if it ain't broke? I just, you know, I upgraded. And, yeah. and it's, it's a really – I love those vices. Absolutely. Do you have a preference for any UV stuff? Solarez is the one I've switched over to. I used to use the CCG. Of course, that guy kind of got out of the game. Whatever happened to him? Did he just vanish? Uh, I think he just decided that he wasn't spending enough time with his family. 
which I would like love to take over that business, but um, I am I unfortunately for him found a superior product, the Solar as Brad Buzzy turned me on to it. And that stuff is awesome. There's no tack on it. It hardens quicker, and it's harder than CCG. Yeah. And you need to get the highest-powered light you can find, and you might spend 80 bucks on a super high-powered light, but it's worth it. Um, that's it, doesn't, it doesn't have an odor. There are other ones that just yeah. stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solarez, and, and you get a lot of it. There's a lot in one of those tubes. That come in. They're not, it's not inexpensive by any means, but I think I'm still using the same tube I bought from Brad in January, the, the last order I did from him. Have you used the little lacquer bottle, the little br- liquid brush one? No, I have not. That stuff's good. Is it? Is yeah, it? I was telling Drew Jacone about that on the last podcast. <laughs> That's what I used to cinch down my dumbbell eyes and other things to the uh-huh. shank. Just one little drop, hit it with the light, and it's not going anywhere. You know what I use for for doing that, and I use on literally every single one of my flies, and they should they should sponsor me or something because I use it so much. Is brushable super glue? That stuff is gold. I use that to as head cement, and it will make those those threads just pack in and become straight solid. And I I use it on. On depending what the fly is, a bunch of different steps of the fly, and I go through that stuff like crazy, um, crazy glue, super glue, whatever <laughs> the name of it is. But um, it's the one that comes in with a red top and a green um, a green label, and it says home and office on it. And you can get it at Walgreens or Kroger or wherever. You can get it all over the place. Um, and I use that stuff on everything, and it's it's. Awesome. It's probably one of my best, um, I guess you'd call it a material, um, that I use on, on all my flies. Um, I'm doing If I'm fishing ahead of a, on a clouser, I'm brushing that stuff on there. All right. I, if I use super glue, I just get stuck to everything. Do you? Yeah. Huh. I like my, well, my dad once came downstairs from the kitchen with a, a ladle stuck to his hand that he was trying to fix. He went <laughs> in the laundry room and I, I would get, that's where I get it from. <laughs> well, this stuff's brushable, so it doesn't uh, it doesn't mess with me. And I don't know. I've spilled it on myself. I've spilled it on my pants, and it, it it'll ruin your pants or your shirt or whatever. Um, but um, gosh, I use that stuff a lot, and it's like three bucks a bottle. And you'll go through I don't know how many flies in a bottle before it finally gets tacky inside of it, and you got to pitch it. But oh my gosh, I use that stuff a lot. I, we have AC more across the street, and so you got the app on your phone. And you get forty percent off, so I just go and get my epoxies, my super glues, really, all that forty percent off, and that'll give you a printout receipt for fifty-five percent off your next purchase. Well, I'm going to have to do that because I go into AC more on occasion and get some various things. Yeah. They've got those, they've got those marabou boas, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of crazy colored marabou out of there. It's not like great marabou, but you can you can actually use it to spin marabou collars. It works really well. We've got some really nice chenille in ours right now. Do $10 for 600 yards, <laughs> and it's in about 12 colors. It's and it's, you'll beat. never use a third of that. You'll never yeah. use it. Well, my daughter takes all the pink skeins of chenille, and they just end up all over her bedroom. Which is another, so another thing I did, 
Uh, so leprechauns, they teach the kids at school that leprechauns will come in at night. So they come in on St. Patrick's Day, and the, the classroom's been all tossed and messed up, and they put yellow food coloring on the toilet so it looks like little leprechauns peed all over the place. So I took a couple skeins of chenille and just tossed them all around my daughter's room. And I was hoping she'd wake up in the morning and be like, what is this? But no, she woke up in the middle of the night to pee and got freaked out and woke up my wife. And my wife almost punched me in my sleep for uh, all those skeins all over the house. <laughs> I thought it was funny to toss her her bedroom. And I left a note from the leprechauns. The wife, wife found no humor in this. She did. Well, at least you're getting some use out of that uh, out of that stuff. Then. Yeah. All right, what's your uh, your rod and reel preference? What's your setup for your clients? And do you provide gear for them, or do they have I, to bring their I, own? I provide all gear, all flies. Um, they just bring whatever they want to wear on the water, um, uh, hats, sunglasses, all that stuff they can bring. But um, it is probably hard for me to say a rod and reel preference preference without saying like a specific spot that I'm fishing or what I'm fishing for because I fish for so much different stuff. Um if I am fishing for redfish out of my kayak, I'm using uh, my favorite rod would be a Colton Trade Winds. I like that in a seven and an eight weight. Colton is a very small rod company out of out of I think it's Damon's Ferry, Pennsylvania. I think their website's Colton Fishing, but they have this rod called a Trade Winds that is freaking awesome. I love it. Favorite reel is probably going to be a Nautilus. Uh, I like their old WXs. Um, I use that a lot. I use Lampsons. I've got some Ross reels that I really like. Other rods I use, I use a G Loomis Shore Stalker 8 weight um, for some saltwater fishing. I sometimes use that for redfish too. I was using that a lot uh, in the windy conditions this past week down there. Um, I use sage rods. Uh, I just got a, I recently got a Mauser rod from John Mauser down out of uh, North Carolina, and that rod is freaking sweet. That's a 6 weight. Um, my Sage Bolt, I absolutely love. That's a, I throw that in a six weight uh, for for smallmouth. For trout rods, I probably got some stuff. I got just TFO five weights, just their regular like Pro Series two or whatnot. I've got a couple Orvis Clearwaters. What else do I have? I've got a Sage Musky rod. I've got a Reddington Predator for musky, which I really really like. Uh, I've got an Allen reel. Um, that I use their uh, Kraken, which I absolutely love. That reel is probably one of my favorite saltwater reels. I, I pair that with a um, with the original Axiom from TFO. It's like as stiff as a broom handle in an eight weight with an intermediate line, and that is my go-to Albi rod with that with that Kraken on there. And for someone thinks, who's never hooked into an Albacore, mm-hmm. could you explain what that is like? Um, so you're on the front of a boat, uh, hopefully with a captain who knows what's going on so they can put you in the right spots um, in terms of wind and, and tide direction and all that stuff and what the fish are doing. But you'll see these fish busting like crazy, and your heart is racing, and you got to get on the front of this rocking boat because it's probably blowing 15 or 20 without falling and double haul eh, 50 or 60 feet into this boiling water with a little like Albi candy that's, you know, the clousers work, but whatever, whatever they're eating. Um, I generally tend to go smaller for Albies, uh, fly size wise. Um, put that in the, in the boil and immediately get the rod under your arm and do a two handed strip on one of those intermediate, uh, striped bass lines or, you know, one of the colder water ones. Um, and as you're stripping and they eat it, 
it's kind of like you cast and just set the hook on a couch. It like gives a little bit. And then suddenly he's swimming the other way at 30 miles an hour. And you have to kind of turn your hands, which were both holding the line into circles. So that line flies out through your hands because it'll get wrapped around your fingers and stuff like that and just cut off your circulation immediately. And then you've got to reach down, get your rod and get your rod up as this fish, which feels like you're connected to a Corvette at the moment is just flying off. And they will, if they, if you hook one and he turns as he's swimming away and kind of does sort of a, a loop to the right or left away from you rather than straight out, they'll go so fast to the water. You actually hear the line hissing in the water. It's really, really cool. Um, and you look down at the reel, and you do not touch the reel because that reel handle is spinning so fast. If you grab it, it's going to crack you in the fingernail and turn it black and blue. And then once he'll eventually slow down, you can start to reel him in. You'll get him about uh, a third of the way, and he'll make another run, get him a little bit in more. He'll make another run, and then hopefully get him to the boat before a shark eats it. Um, so it's a lot going on. Um, and then as my dad says, I do an annual fishing trip in the fall with my dad when I'm down there in Cape Lookout in September. My dad likes, my dad doesn't like to fish much, but when the fishing is good, he will fish. His favorite part is letting them go because they're tuna, so They never stop swimming. So when you've pulled them out of the water, they're, they're shaking like crazy. They're throwing up bait all over you, all over the boat. You unhook them, get some photos. They're super, super cool looking. And, and then you throw them back in the water by literally holding them out by their tail and dropping them so they drop in the water like a torpedo so they get a head start on their swim. If you don't, they will sink and die because they can't just start swimming. Um, so you either drop them or you throw them back in the water like, you know, kind of like a football shape into the water. That's, that's really fun. And then it's back to casting them again. My best days, I've caught like 20 or 30 of them in a day all around like 10, anywhere from 5 to 12, 15 pounds or something. Um, the really big ones are called buffaloes, and they're over 20, and that is like a serious fight. I've never hooked into one, but I've seen them. Um, that sounds like work, though. <laughs> so um, they're a blast. They're absolutely a blast. Um, and I highly recommend figuring out a way, if you've never caught one, to, to go catch one. Uh, whether it be in North Carolina or Florida, uh, those are the two kind of seem main spots. Seems to be they seem to be caught. I hope to find them up in Cape Cod this summer. Oh, they're up there too. I forgot yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely find them up there. They're not any good to eat. The joke on them is that if you want to, you know, it's a tuna family and they're called false albacore. The joke on them is if you want to eat one is you get a nice cedar plank and get your grill right. And then you season that fish up, the fish filet, however you want to cut it up, just fly it off the side. Um, season up with all your herbs and spices and whatnot. Slow, slow cook it on that, on that cedar board for like 15 or 20 minutes. And then when it's done, you take it out and you throw the fish away and eat the board. See, I don't eat fish, so I probably would eat the board. <laughs> it's full of fiber. So, yeah, that's that's what they taste like. They're just they're <laughs> bloody, right? They're super, super bloody and oily. Uh, if you hook one in the wrong spot, he's going to bleed like crazy. Um, my buddy who's a commercial captain down there in Moorhead City, he actually says they're incredible marlin bait. So he takes them and, uh, you know, we'll keep a couple of them here and there. And he cuts the bellies off of them to use for Marlin Bay and then throws the rest of it in his crab pots. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, uh, 
they're and they're a very cool fish. It's probably good that they're not good to eat because there wouldn't be any of them left because right. they're fun to catch. There's no commercial but, use for them. Yeah, there's not unless like, you're going marlin fishing. Yeah, yeah. gizzard shad. There's no commercial use, and unfortunately, there's tons of them, but nobody wants to catch them. Right. Right. I saw Just, gizzard shad. I, I've been making a lot of uh, japchae. Uh-huh. It's a Korean noodle dish with bulgogi, and they had a special for gizzard shad last week. And I was just, oh, I saw you post that on on, on I think Instagram. You, I was like, Wah. yeah, who's gonna eat that? Dude, my <laughs> daughter went to town on the samples in that store. She was eating roasted duck and bulgogi and spicy Korean noodles. I don't know what half the stuff is I buy there because there's no English. It so, might be dog and cat. I hope not. <laughs> I want to find out if they'll buy snakeheads from me. They might. They might. Are you going to go out and snag them? I don't know. My father-in-law just ate one that we, that I caught, and he said it was the best fish. He he said it, it had no odor, and you could fry it in a bedroom. Uh, snakehead, I compare to rockfish. I mean, I've eaten them. It, it, you, you can put a plate of snakehead, fillets, and cook snakehead, however you want to do it, baked or whatever, next to um, the same way cooked rockfish, and I bet you won't be able to tell the difference. I wouldn't. <laughs> but while oh, we're talking about food, what do you uh, what do you like to eat after a day rowing or kayaking? Do you got special restaurants out there, fast food, or do you bring food with you? Um, if I'm out on the water, I actually love to swing by Kroger and get some sushi, um, and I'll eat that to get the right mindset of catching fish. I'll take that out of a kayak with me, which is kind of funny. People look at me like I'm insane, but I do that. Um, you know, if I had to say like one thing, like if I get off the, off the water, if I'm kayaking for redfish, one of my favorite things to eat out on the, uh, down there at, at the beach at our family vacation, we ate it, of course, a couple times this year would be. Um, spicy Italian sausage from Johnsonville and you, you cook that on a grill and then you get your hoagie bun and inside that hoagie bun, you lather up a bunch of mayonnaise. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's amazing. Mayonnaise Dukes preferably. Um, and then you're going to go ahead and saute or grill some green peppers and onions and you throw your cooked Italian sausage in there on that mayonnaise on that hoagie and you throw the, the, so the green onions and the and the excuse me, green peppers and onions. I'm sorry, on on top of it, and then you give a healthy dose of Old Bay on that, and eat that and tell me that it's not a life changer. It is absolutely amazing. <laughs> right, so so we have a contradiction here. You're a Duke's mayonnaise guy, but you got a fly named the Miracle Whip. We got we got a, a uh, emulsion sauce confusion going on here. There's a conflict. You're the first one to say that. Uh, I think I called it the Miracle Whip because I was trying to come up with a with a fancy name and that fly. The, the original design of it did it all white and it just moves around and kind of whips around in the water. And go. it just came to me. Um, I like to come up with really fun fly names. Uh, it's one of my evening pastimes. I've had a drink or two, and I've got a whole list of all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, you would be right. Uh, uh, somebody else, um, Brian Kleinchester told me I've got to come up with another fly that's got some other mayonnaise name to it since I did Miracle Whip. So maybe I'll come up with that one with the Aioli? I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Grabiche? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I came up like with a sauce graviche. <laughs> I came up with the bangerang because I was drinking a bottle of wine at Tying Fly specifically for the winter trout fishery out on the bay designed to look like one of those uh, crazy diving Rapalas, which is how I came up with the bangerang or one of those swimming rattling Rapalas, excuse me. And channel flipping while watching TV and tying flies and drinking wines too much at once. And the movie Hook was on. And when he was Rufio swinging through the tree yelling bangerang, I go, well, that's the fly. That's the name of this fly. It's got to be. So you can take some uh, can take some um, you know yeah, ideas from anywhere on on tying this stuff on coming up. Let's talk about some travel. You seem to go to some far off places and travel again because you you have that lifestyle. What are some of your favorite places to go and any bucket list destinations uh, you're dreaming of? Bucket list. I, it's funny that you say that. I was talking to a friend the other day and and she had mentioned uh, I sent her a video on. Uh, Bolivia catching um, catching golden Dorado. That's on the bucket list. And I said, how long is your list? She goes, pretty long. I said, I think mine's like 50 or 60 places long. Um, I really want to do Kamchatka. I really, really, really want to spend like three weeks in the Seychelles. And I really want to do the golden Dorado thing out of those small rivers in Bolivia. Um, uh, the ba- uh, peacock bass in the Amazon is on there. Um, I do host international trips down to Patagonia, Chile, Chile, excuse me. I'm a quarter Chilean. I should say that properly. Um, but that's around the Koyaiki region, which is like uh, central Patagonia. And it's just unbelievable trout fishing down there. Um, my best day, I caught 14 Browns over 20 inches. Um, it's, that is the, uh, and I have not been to Kamchatka, but that is the dumbest trout fishing in the world. Um, swinging mice flies and the mice are smacking or excuse me the trout are smacking the mice with their tail to stun them and then they come back and eat it or they grab they grab the tail of your fly and hold it under the water to drown it and then eat it and you're not you're trying not to set the hook on these things what's your Uh, mouse pattern of choice for down there um what is that one i can't remember the name of it because i've been down there in a couple years um it's the one with the foam back across him, like a gurgler. Mr. Hanky. Uh, yeah, something like that. And I, uh, I tied the latest ones I've been tying for down there. I tied with a trailer hook on them that went back into the hook, and I actually was tying them on a salmon fly hook um, because these are big, big twenty-five inch brown trout that are eating these mice. Um, and I didn't even fish at night the last time I was down there, and I'm kicking myself because if you, I wanted to go down there, you know, you're catching twenty-two inchers. Um, during the day, what are the really big guys doing at night is what I wanted to do. Um, the other thing that's down there that's super, super cool is the Darwin beetle, which is that giant beetle that's like got these giant claws on it. And they're, they're probably three or four inches long total. Um, I've got a picture of it on my Instagram, me holding it on my hand and, uh, they won't bite you, but when one lands on your neck, you get a little freaked out. Um, and, uh, you can throw just monster black, like, gurglers for bass, like a two-aught, and slap that on the water, and a brown trout's going to eat it because it thinks it's that giant beetle. And that is super cool to sight cast these beetles in these lakes and rivers down there to these huge brown trout that are just cruising around. 
And if they won't eat that, you'll put on a caddis pattern. And it's like not a small caddis pattern. It's like a size 10. And if they won't eat that, then you throw the mice at them and they'll eat that. It's just wild. <laughs> it's a really, really cool area down there. And I absolutely love it. And I, I got to get back down there again soon. Um, if there's three, three or four people that want to go, that's all I need for this very small lodge I work with down there called Paloma River Lodge. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's the dumbest trout fishing you'll ever do in your life. Unless Kimchak is better. Yes, if only it wasn't closer. If it takes a day and a half to get down there, a day and a half to get back. But you know, what about uh, not, any places in the continental you're trying to hit up? In the continental U.S., um, Louisiana is always on the list. Uh, I love going down there to New Orleans because I love that town. I've got some friends down there, and the, the redfish fishing down there is the best in the world. I really want to go to Maine. Last summer, I discovered Wisconsin, which is just the best smallmouth fishing I've ever had in my life. That's, that's on my list after interviewing Pat oh. Ellers from the Fly Fishers. Gosh, yes. It's, uh, I've been tying his reapers all morning for my trip to Ohio next week. you got to go fish the Menominee, which which is splits Wisconsin and Michigan. And it's – I mean catching 20-inch smallmouth there is like a normal thing for them. Yeah, he said the average smallmouth within a five-mile drive of his shop was six pounds. And I had to pick my jaw up off the carpet in here. <laughs> yeah. So and my wife is down. I was like, she's down to do a trip to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a cool town. Yeah. A lot of Green Bay is a really cool town. Um, it's it, the the musky fishing and small fishing and pike fishing up there is just unbelievable. Uh, when I was up there last summer, I just floated the Menominee by myself, messing around in my kayak, and I yeah, I had to run a twelve inch wire leader. Because you don't know whether a pike, a 25-inch pike is going to eat your fly or your streamer or a, or a five-pound smallmouth. My goodness. The smallmouth don't care about it. Um, of course, the Outer Banks are always really good for me, uh, and that's an easy drive. Um, I, I, my favorite part of the, the area around here is southwest Virginia, fishing the new. Um, I haven't been to Charleston in a couple of years. i got to get back down there. Um, other places I want to go to fish that I haven't been um, – I want to explore Montana some more and Oregon. Um, I have a really good friend who just moved from D.C. six months ago to Oregon to Bend. Um, or excuse me, he's not, is he in Bend? No, he's not in Bend. He's in Portland. I'm sorry. Somebody else you know, just moved to Bend. But he's sitting there sending me all these pictures of all these trout. They have smallmouth out there and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, i got to come visit you. And i got to probably come visit for like three weeks because I just want to do that. Um I'm going to Austin, Texas in mid-October for Austin City Limits, and I'm going to try and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, The Killers. There's a bunch of different people playing, um, but I want to I want to see if I can stick two or three days of fishing on there. I want to go catch that uh, – what's that bass they have down there? Loop. Yes. I want to see if I can catch one of those, and then I've heard that the Texas coast for redfish is just straight fire in the fall. Yeah. So if I can go ahead and do that. Except for the uh, hurricane season, so be careful. Yes, yes. I'll be all right. I've, I've been in hurricanes for it. Speaking of hurricanes, save yourself the time, listeners. Do not watch The Hurricane Heist. It might be one of the worst movies I've seen in a <laughs> long time. Hurricanes have driven me off the water off of North Carolina uh, each of the past, like, five years in a row. So I've, I've dealt with it. Um 
it's all part of the game. It, it is what it is. You can't control the weather. Yep. So, um, I really want to fish Canada too, man. I like, I got to get out there and go to Labrador for some 10 pound brook trout. I got to do that. I want to get back down to Florida, but Florida's got the whole mess right now with the water and I don't want to get political or anything, but it's just a mess. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll push that off. Um, but it's, my favorite places to go are probably that I've been are going to be North Carolina, Virginia, um, Wisconsin, Colorado, Tennessee is close behind too. Tennessee's got some really good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to travel all over. Uh, I fished the Arkansas this year, the Arkansas, I fished the white river in Arkansas, excuse me, um, which is an incredible river, super hard to fish. You got to know what you're doing. Um, yeah, I'll go to Louisiana this fall. I'll be back down in North Carolina four or five times. I'll be in Colorado in two weeks, and I'll be all over Virginia. Is kind of what my what my summer through fall is looking like. Right on. We're gonna have to set up a time to meet like halfway. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I I really like to. I want to do more international, but we have such good fishing around here and such variety. And Virginia has such incredible variety that you can pick up and be somewhere in two or three hours and catch a different species everywhere you go. Um, you, in Virginia, you can do a cannonball run of brook trout to smallmouth to stripers. Think about that in one day. That could be a cool uh, full-day guide trip. I've done it. And I I, want to make a video out of it. It starts up in the park, catching brookies in the morning. You hit the Shenandoah or something on the way back for a couple hours wade fishing and uh, for smallmouth. And in the evening, you're catching stripers in the bay. And that is a a, a two-and-a-half-hour drive you can do that in. That's pretty sweet. So we have a lot in Virginia, which, you know, people go, well, you travel so much and all this stuff. And I, it's mostly continental. And a lot of it's just around the state. And people don't believe that I'm in the Chickahominy Reservoir 40 minutes from Richmond. It does. It looks like you're in Louisiana. Um, but I do I do put a lot of mileage on my truck. It's probably 25,000 miles a year. So Are you driving? I have a, uh, a GMC Sierra four-door crew cab in uh, Maroon. Um, that I have aptly named Truck Norris, and Truck Norris and I drive all over the country towing my boats or my kayaks or any of my other toys to all those places I've mentioned. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of fun. I, I like to do as much of it as possible, it's, and not have a job, not the real world. Hence the name and my lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, how's the RVA bugs and brews going? Uh, it's good. It's good. I haven't been to the last two of them. I've been busy with guiding or whatever's going on. I can't, I can't always make them, but it's good. They're having a good turnout. Jacob's doing a good job with it. Um, he's got a few little flyman sponsors that I think, and he was talking about getting some other people in there to tie. It's kind of a show up and everybody tie their own thing. I was telling him, you know, maybe he wants to look into having somebody show up and tie a specific pattern everybody can learn. I get so many people asking me to tie redfish flies. Told him we'd go, we can go do that. So, um, however, he wants to set it up, doesn't matter to me, but it's it's a good turnout. It's fun to have it over there at Legend Brewery. Drink beer, they got good wings. 
So I'm hoping that I should be able to make the one, the next one here on the, on the third, if anybody is down in there. It's the first Tuesday of every month. So it's July 3rd at, at Legend Brewery. I think it goes from 7 till kind of whenever. Um, and we drink beer and tell tie flies and tell lies. <laughs> so. uh, my last question would be, if you had a superhero power, make you a better angler, what would you choose? If I had a superhero power to make me, does it have to make me a better angler? No, just to, for fishing. For fishing? Yeah. George Daniel wanted to be like Aquaman so we could go down and like hang out with the fish. I would fly. So I'd be like, you know what? I don't I'll have to pick my daughter up for three hours. I'm going to Kamchatka for an hour. Gosh, it would probably have to be able to fly. But I think that would also make it maybe too easy. Is there someone – is there a superhero that, that can change the weather? Yes, Storm from – X-Men. Yes. If I could change the weather to wherever I was, to where, whatever I wanted it to be, that might be it. That's a good uh, one. I'd be like, I, ooh, I need a little bit of cloud cover right now. Yeah. Like when I get out of my redfish flat, I go, okay, I want it, you know, five mile an hour, five mile an hour north wind, no – no wind and and like just have that i can deal with the tide i can figure that out on my own but just have that weather that way that'd be great flying would be amazing i mean i would love to be able to fly just for the sheer enjoyment of it but then i wouldn't do my road trips anymore i wouldn't have all my fun driving my truck around so you know that's norris would get sad Truck Norris would get very sad um and also are you able to fly with your kayaks or your boat (laughs) <laughs> can you can you trailer it in the air? <laughs> I, w- I would just fly down the river. I would just be like hovering and casting. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah. cool. You'd spook a lot of fish that way. Yeah, we need to fly in Wonder Woman's invisible airplane. Yeah, that's true. That's that's an interesting question. If I had I, and and if I had any type of superpower, it would be just to stay young. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I that's what I really would like. But. Uh, I'd have to say change the weather, I think. That's a good one. All right. And Any questions? Oh, go on. I said that I could push the hurricanes away. Yeah. <laughs> Any uh, Anything you wanted to talk about that I did not bring up? Sure. I'll mention this because it drives me insane. Please pick up trash. Please pick up. Is anybody going on the water? Pick up your own trash. And if you see some other trash, even if it isn't yours, just please pick it up. Every single time I go to the water, I carry a, a plastic bag, which I'm getting away from plastic bags as much as I possibly can because they're so freaking bad for the environment. But if I invariably end up with them no matter what, I fill it with, with recycling, with cans, with bottles, with whatever, and with whatever garbage I can because it is so frustrating to be – out on the water in my quote unquote office and see garbage. And that's probably not going to ever be a, um, something that can ever be completely solved. But if everybody would pick garbage up and not throw their crap in the river or on the ground, which ends up in the river, it would be a lot cleaner. There would be a lot more clean place to fish. My wife's in Singapore. Before mm-hmm. you land, they ask you to take out any chewing gum you have. It is illegal to have chewing gum in Singapore. And That's it's, awesome. It, they will go through the airplane and collect all your gum. She said there is no litter anywhere. Really? 
Yeah. Well, Singapore's on the list of places to go. What I want to do is spend a, in one of these next upcoming winters. Um, I want to take three months and travel through New Zealand, Australia, and Southeast Asia, and I'll fish and just write about it and hang out. And um, I'll put Singapore on the list if it's that clean. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. She I just, says you got to eat the chili crab. And okay. their Twining's tea is a specific blend just for Singapore. It's good. Wow. Wow. Well, Costa Rica just announced that they are banning one single-use plastics. That's fantastic. It's awesome. And Costa Rican beaches are some of the cleanest beaches I've seen. And I was there in March. Um, if, you, if you're away, I don't go to the whole touristy places that are like, like Yako and all that stuff. I go like way far south of there. Um, but they are some of the cleanest beaches you'll see. And it's interesting because every tourist walking around there, if there's trash, it washes up on the beach, they're picking it up. Yep. Uh, Breckridge and, Outfitters, where I used to work, they now have, if you bring in a bag of trash from the river with photos that you didn't just take your household garbage, they're going right. to give you a hat and some flies and some other things. Breckenridge Outfitters will do that? Yep. They're giving you the old uh, Arch logo hat and a swag bag for kids. That is a genius idea, and I would consider doing that. Um, I would, I'll would. i have to think about it and check out money-wise, but I would consider doing that for the new and the James. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible. And I'll take the garbage and throw it out myself if it's in a bag. <laughs> I want to have a straw competition for my club next year. Who can, okay. find, who can collect the most straws they find? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, straws are terrible. Because mm-hmm. you don't just, get one with beer, so why do you need one with soda or ice water or iced tea? Uh, I don't know. And the only time I ever use a straw is to mix my gin and tonic, but I'm happy to use my pocket knife or my finger. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to have Vince on from Wiley's Flies. We're going to do a gin podcast, I think. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, man, I want to get in on that. All right. Gin and tonic is my go-to beverage. Are you using the tonic syrup or are you doing like the fever tree? I just use whatever the tonic water I get is. Oh, man, you can't be using that corn syrup stuff. So fever tree, the bottle with cane sugar, but we're okay. using the, the concentrate. You can get it at Total Beverage. And okay. she does this thing. It's called a frozen gin and tonic where she puts it through the blender mm-hmm. with ice and the moms of the neighborhood go through that thing faster than they do wine. Real. We had, I got a text the other day. Hey, do you have any spare wine? I was like, yeah, I'll put it outside. So I wrapped it in ice packs and put it in the drift boat. And 20 minutes later, it was gone. <laughs> That's my neighborhood. And what is that stuff called? It's, it's, it's a concentrated tonic. Concentrated tonic. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Um, uh, small oh, bet. Here, here it we is. Don't have a, we don't have a total food. We don't have a total Jack bet. Rudy. R-U-D-Y. Okay. Fever tree. Fever tree. There it is. Okay. Fever tree. I'll, yeah. You don't get the cane show. You get a, the cord syrup is bad anyway. I'm sure it is. I, this is what I've always been drinking, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm not going to call myself an expert at it. I will. I will turn you on to a new drinking technique in which I smoke a lot of my drinks that I'm kind of an expert at, but, but making these at a specialty, whatever I'm all about, uh, uh, learning and trying new stuff. It'll change your, change your life. Yeah, another one from <laughs> the cookbook Kachka from Portland. Mm-hmm. You take a large grapefruit, you put it in a container, 
pour a fifth of sort of a, a non-herbally gin over it. 24 yeah. hours, you throw the grapefruit out, it, it's whole, and you have grapefruit gin. My dad loves gin and tonics, and he loves grapefruit. So yeah. I'm not- I was like, you're really, you're going to pour a bottle of gin in a giant, like, iced tea pitcher with grapefruit, and then the next day, and behold, it was better than you could get from a store. Wow. Okay. Well, I will have to uh, I'll have to check that out as well. What I do now is I is I take a uh, I take a, a, a cut cedar board and I get a uh, a torch and I start burning it and I've got a mixed um, whatever type of favorite bourbon drink you've got uh, say an old fashioned on ice and then I've got another mason jar empty and once that wood is really smoking and burning you flip the the mason jar over the empty one onto the wood it puts the fire out and it fills it full of smoke once it's filled up you flip it back over and you you squeeze or, or pour that uh strain the the cold gin and uh, i'm sorry gin and tonic geez you do the gin and tonic too do the moonshine um you strain that old-fashioned over the smoke into the uh into the cup there and then you drink it, and it's a smoked old-fashioned. It is unbelievable, dude. That sounds pretty good. It's amazing. I'm going to want a cocktail now. <laughs> G&T for the England match would be very proper. That would be very proper. Yeah. The uh, We were doing it when I was up in West Virginia for Memorial Day. We had a bunch of West Virginia moonshine, and we were smoking the moonshine like that. And it made it taste even better. It took all the edge off of it. And my dad doesn't drink that stuff, and he was drinking. He goes, this is really good. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think of what else I can I can say or to you, but picking up the trash stuff, that would just be uh, – yeah. if anglers could pick up trash, and if people in general would pick up trash, I mean, it's just uh, – it's one of my pet peeves, and I, I, I just would like to make the – I don't want to be a, a quote-unquote tree hugger here or anything like that, but just make the world a cleaner place. Mm-hmm. Be nice. Um, Where so, can we find you on social media? You can uh, find me on uh, my website, notthereelworld.com, not with a K and real R-E-L. You can find me on Facebook, um, Not The Real World on there. You can also find me just with my full name, which would be Christopher Cease. My last name is spelled S is in Sam, I. E S S, um, so I never cease to amaze. Before uh, E, except after C. Before E, except after C. You can also find me on Instagram, which is probably my favorite social media platform. Not the real world. K N O T T H E R E E L world. I don't tweet or Twitter, um, but Instagram. A lot of people talk to me on there. Um, I'm going to start doing a bunch more live sessions of tying flies. If Instagram lets me, last time they banned me and kicked me off because I was playing the wallflowers in the background. Apparently, that's very illegal to play music when you're doing a live session. Um, but I like to show people how to tie on there. Um, and I'm, I'm also, I'll self-admit, I like to write a lot, but I've been a huge slacker on my writing um, for the last several years. And I've got a blog on my website, and I'm really going to start blogging a lot more on there, just about tips, tactics, techniques, um, and places I go and how to fish different ways. I'm probably going to do a big one on uh, on um, catching redfish from a kayak because I will say I'm pretty darn good at that. Um, and it's 
a very challenging way to catch them, but also a way to catch them that oftentimes a lot of people don't have their own, you know, flat skiff. And if they want to go fish in the bay on some of the redfish flats out there, um, you know, you can do it out of a kayak and you can have a lot of fun doing them, catching them, I'm doing it. So, uh, yeah, so I'll be I'll be on there. Not the real world on uh, on Instagram is probably the easiest way to catch me on there. And I need to come up to your all's uh, uh, Kai Fest uh, that you guys do at Whitlow's and yeah, July ninth popper party. July 9th is your popper party. Yep. Um, I've got a guide on July 9th. I can't make that. All right, second Monday of each month. Second Monday of each month. Okay, it might be in the fall before I get down there, but um. August August thirteenth, I'll be in the Outer Banks. I can't make that one. September's probably out too. I'll get down. I'll get there sometime, and we'll do. I'll do some redfish flash for some guys. We'll if be you, there, man. Half price burgers all Monday. Ooh, that sounds good. I used to have beers all the time at Whitlow's when I, when I was back home. <laughs> so, um, anything else I can answer for you? That's about it, man. Let's go watch some football. Okay, sounds good, Rob. Who are you rooting for? Um, yeah, I got a lot of English friends. I mean, it's been uh, 50 years since England got the cup, so you know, I don't really have a favor right now. Stanley Cup, so my sporting is done for a long time. Yes, we got the cup yes. this year. They, they uh, finally did. That was my, my thing, too. I can't, I'm a lifelong D.C. sports fan, uh, so much so that my grandfather's ashes are in Nats Park. Wow. Um, and uh, Do they know that? I, no. Sir, <laughs> so if you walk in, if you walk in off the uh, in that outfield entrance, it's the third cherry tree on the right. My grandfather's ashes are under that tree. Very cool. Um, but but seeing the Caps win was amazing, and I was like, they're just going to lose again after they went down 0-2 to to uh, Columbus. And my spring was so was- exhausting because I was up watching games every other night for two and a half months. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was yeah. amazing. And hopefully the Nats can pull one out too. And I could really, this is bad for me to say, I used to be the biggest Redskins fan out there. I could pretty much care less about the Redskins at this point. I want, I, I want a, a national football title for Virginia Tech, but that's that's going to be a really hard one to pull off. <laughs> uh, go Buckeyes. So, oh, man, come on. <laughs> getting, getting a new uh, Blocko hat next week. Are you? Yep. Okay, okay. Well, I married into it. I, I went to Mary Washington College. I didn't know about college football until I got married. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But um, all right. Well, that sounds good, man. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. This has been a good one. Okay. All, all right. right. Have fun and uh, keep your fingers crossed for a little bit of sunny, dry weather until yeah. you get your special powers. So I can exactly. So I can actually take some people out fishing around here. <laughs> so, all right. I'll talk to you later, Rob. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks again. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.